0: Shalom, welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut, um, And we're going to be studying Perak Chav to the end of Parashat Ha'Isara. Vayosef, Avraham, Isha, Ushma, Keturah. Avraham continued, added, and took a woman as a wife, and her name is Keturah. vet Ishbach, vet Shuach. She, he had all these children and these children. You ask most people how many children did Avram have and they'll say two Ishmael and Yitzchak, but look he has many more Zimran, Yokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuak. Six children V'yokshan yalad at Sheva the Dedan you Dedan ayu ashurim u'letushim So he had Shiva and Dedan and even Dedan's children are these nations Ashurim letushim le'umim Uv'nei midyan ve'elda Kol A long list of uh, descendants Who is Ktura? Rashi brings a midrash that a K'tura is hagar He says, zu hagar And she's called Ktura because her actions are beautiful Like the ketoret However, this is severely disputed. Um, Rashbam says it straight: the uh, fiha pshat ein zohagar. According to pshat, this is not hagar, and there are very good proofs why they shouldn't be. Ibn Ezra gives one of them. He says later on in pasuk vav, it says that Avraham Natan Avraham matanot to the concubines. But if Avram has a wife Sarah and a concubine Hagar. What does it mean the concubines when well, he had he had Sarah and Hagar and Keturah and other concubines that would be strange so if Ezra says Pilakshim means that he has at least two Hagar and, and Keturah Rashi you can check it out there wants to suggest that no Pilakshim is written haser without a yud to say there's really only one the only problem is that in our Torah Pilakshim does have a yud whichever way the the there are very very good proofs to say that Keturah is not Hagar. What is this? Is a big surprise. When did Avram get married? Um, did he get married earlier? I mean, there's a lot of descendants here. So I have to say, one of two: either he got did to get married earlier, and then here's something very surprising. The Torah so much wants to talk about Avram and Sarah as a covenantal couple. It leaves this right to the very end and wants to give us the whole impression about the childlessness of Avram and Sarah. And then this shows us the intimacy of their relationship. But that's what matters. And these other women were not ultimately considered to be uh, the covenantal wives. The other option, obviously, is that Avram uh, gets remarried at this stage. I admit, this is strange. We've already mentioned for Avram Zakain Babi Amin, he's old. Um, getting older, he's feeling his mortality. Um, how exactly to explain when this happened is difficult. But uh, what is why we why do we need to be told all of this? Well, first of course, Avram was promised at Brit Mila, uh that he will become an Av Hamon Goyim. In fact, that's an acronym of Avram's name, Avraham Av Hamon Goyim. And maybe the aim here is to show at this stage we don't see Hamon Goyim. Maybe the aim is really to show that he had uh, achieved this in, even in his lifetime, and therefore the mentioning of Ashurim and the Tushim and the uh, in the plural shows that already he is a father of great nations. But there is another lovely explanation which I read in the writings of uh, Rabbi Huda Shaviv, he lives here in Alon Shvut, uh, and he said he gave a beautiful explanation. Avram, in his earliest Nivuah, the Nevoah at the beginning of Lechelcha is told, kol mishpachot And here, um, the Rashbam has a lovely, lovely explanation where he says, what's V'nevrechu? Usually we would translate it as, through you shall be blessed all the families of the earth. But Rashbam says something fascinating. He says, V'nevrechu v'cha is from Lashon Mavrich u'markiv." It's a language of grafting. Avram will somehow be grafted um, like a plant is grafted. You take the roots from one and put them into the other um, to all of the families of the world. Now, here Rav Shaviv finds a midrash, a fascinating midrash in Yalkut Shimoni, Remez Taf Taf Kufdalad where they say the following, Shalosh Nashim Nasa Avraham, Avraham married three wives, Sarah, who was the daughter of Shem; Keturah, who was the daughter of Yefet, and Hagar, who was the daughter of Ham. Hagar is a Mitzrit, she's from Egypt, she's from Ham. Sarah seems to be part of the Avraham family, as is indicated when he says that they were related, even before they got married, and therefore Sarah is from the family of Shame. What about Keturah? She comes from Yefet. And this fulfills not only that Avraham is Av Hamon Goyim, but V'Nivruchu V'cha Kol Adama Not just that you will be blessed, but you will be grafted to the three main families of civilization. So maybe this is trying to show us, even in uh, his old age, how Avraham's promises are being fulfilled in a very, very real and tangible way. We then see what happens to these children. It says, "Olivne apilakshimachel Avraham, Natan Avraham matanot." To these children of concubines which Avraham had, Avraham gave gifts. Vayshalchem <inaudible> me'al but then he sent them away from Yitzhak his son. But <inaudible> while he was still alive, while Avraham was still alive, kedema eleretz kedem in an easterly direction to the land of the east unless Kedim is the name of a land and now we see Avraham's death at age 175 what is this sending away and some people want to suggest this is the whole reason to even give this story um, much as we quoted in the, in the story of uh, the sending away of Ishmael. This accords with the laws of the time, as we see from the Hammurabi Code, which says that if you have um, a Legesh or if you have some sort of uh, other wives, you've got a choice. If you want all your children to inherit together and to divide the inheritance, what you do is you name them all as your children and they all inherit after your death. However, if in your lifetime, especially if they are the children of pilagshim of concubines or the children of slaves, and you say in your lifetimes these are not my children that is my child then the whole inheritance goes only to the child that you have earmarked the others cannot be sell, sold as slaves they have to be sent away with dignity and with financial backing however the, they are not considered to be your heirs this is exactly what Avram does here Avram sends away the Bnei HaPilag um, sends them away with gifts. In other words, he um, looks after them and gives them financial security. But the aim here is not to abuse these children and is not to treat the uh, Pilakshim badly, ha You can't just use the Pilakshim as, um, I don't know, sexual objects and then discard them. You have to treat them with respect and you have to give them uh, gifts and look after their financial security. However, however, here we're not talking about that. Here we're talking about the legacy of the family, and who is going to bear the family name, who is going to bear the family legacy. And that is one and one only. That is Yitzchak. And therefore, this is almost a rerun of the Yishmael story, where Sarah said, The issue was one of inheritance. And maybe it's not surprising then, that that is why Rashi says, Keturah is Hagar because it's a rerun of the Hagar story. Hagar has a child and the child is sent away in order to protect and preserve Yitzchak's sole status as the family heir. Likewise, here, Avram remarries and sends away the children in during his lifetime away from Yitzchak in order to preserve Yitzchak's sole status as the heir. Of Avraham I'd like to um, maybe at this point reflect back on Parsha Chayi Sarah and say something in a more generic sense about the Parsha because I'd like to say this the three stories of Parsha Chayi Sarah each show Avraham being somewhat uh, tenacious and pedantic about about uh, the decisions that he's making in the case of the purchase of the Steha Machpelah, the field of Machpelah and the cave, Avram is very pedantic that this be done according to law, in, in the public uh, hearing of the entire village, and insists on paying top dollar 400 shekel kesef over la socher in order to buy it. We, we raise the question... At the time when we when we when we spoke about that chapter, why does he need to do this? And we we said he wants an achuzah, he wants a place to hold on to. He realizes that he cannot be a passing phenomenon in the country, and that he has to set down roots. And this is what he does by buying this field and by uh, setting this burial place. And in a minute, we will see just how true that is. But in order to do that, he has to be pedantic, insistent. The same thing happens in the next story chapter 24 avram needs to find a wife for he just he he orchestrates it and, and and choreographs it very very carefully but what he does is he makes his trusted servant take an oath and why take an oath and he gives him very specific instructions it has to be just so again we see avram being very detail oriented he is being very very strict he is insisting on certain red lines. He is making his trusted servant take a take a vow um, to do things just so. And here again, Avram has these children and he sends them away, something that he didn't do, found so hard to do with Ishmael all those years back. Now he sends them away of his own volition. What is going on here? There is no doubt to my mind that all these stories have something in common, which is that Avraham is securing the future. The buying of the burial place secures a place which will be an, uh, an achuzah, an achiza, a linchpin for the nation later. Finding a wife for Yitzchak is certainly essential if the family line is to continue. And here, of course, he's aware of his own mortality and therefore he... Um, sends away all the other contenders to his legacy, at least just to Yitzchak. This might relate to the death of Sarah, which, which sort of brings home in a very tangible way to Avraham his mortality, and that if he doesn't look after the future now, then who will look after the future? And therefore we see this very, very careful and detailed preparation for the future filling the parasha. But I would like to say something even further. And this is the following. Who was the, you know, the open, generous member of the family? And who was the more pedantic one? I think if we think about it, we see Avraham welcoming guests. Avraham is open to everybody. uh, uh, Avraham is the man of chesed. But it's Sarah who frequently worries about the hard decisions of the family. Sarah, for example, is the one who always has to say Achotihi. He says Achotihi, but she bears the brunt of helping Avram survive. And that means she gets taken to the uh, harem of uh, Pharaoh and also of Avimelech. She pays a very heavy emotional cost. Later she sees that Avram is not having children with her. And she gives up her own bedroom, her own exclusivity and brings Hagar into the marriage what a sacrifice why does Sarah do such a thing like that because she's dedicated to Avram's future and yet again when Avram wants to be open and soft and kind and inclusive and include Yishmael his son in the family it's Sarah who puts her foot down and says Gareish et, et uh, v'et bana. you have to divorce her you have to throw her out and god backs her and says everything that sarah says listen to god backs her sarah makes some very very tough choices frequently she pay, pays a heavy personal cost and avraham avram can be nice to everybody but now sarah has died and now avraham without sarah realizes he has to take on some of Sarah's characteristics. He has to take on some of Sarah's um, sacrificial nature for the future. He has to take on some of her pedanticness to orchestrate and to um, manipulate the future so that it will go the way that they want it to be. And now we see Avram take on Sarah's legacy. It's funny to have a parsha called Chay Sarah, which is all about Sarra's what happens after Sarah's death, but in a sense I feel the spirit of Sarah over this Parsha in a very, very palpable way because Sarah, who was worried to keep was so concerned for the promises to Avraham, so concerned with that Brahab Zerah, uh, that it should all take place, really tried to make sure to ensure it would happen now with Sarah dead Avram now has to make sure what happens and we see a character change in Avraham as he takes all these actions things that he didn't do before making lines in the sand you're in the family you're out of the family really seeing to it that Yitzchak gets married making his uh, servant take an oath all of this is taking on some of the virtue of Sarah Sarah who works so hard um, in order to keep the family going so I think that's a significant point as he you know as the act he could not do with Ishmael all those years ago found so difficult to do he now does with ease and alacrity in sending away the B'nei Pilakshim in the face of Yitzchak and now we see Avram's death as we read in Pasuk uh, Zayin his death is told in the same rhythm as that of Sarah and Avraham Avram had been promised in the Brit of tova, and you will um, come to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a ripe old age. And here, the, the verse tells us in Pasuk he died Avraham old and satisfied lovely sense of living a full life via Safina Mawfi was gathered to his people of Bait Baruto y Banav El Maratama Khbela El Seday Afron bin Socharche Tiashepnimamray now we're going to hear a ceremonial description of this Maratama Khbela this a cave at the, in the field of Ephron ben ben the field which Avram purchased from the Bnei Chit, there Avraham and Sarah, his wife, that means Hagar is not his wife, and Keturah is not his wife, Avram and Sarah, his wife, and after Avram's death, Yitzchak was blessed by God, and Yitzchak lived with Be'er Lachairoi or in Be'er Lachairoi in this special site of revelation. It is fascinating that Yitzchak and Ishmael together bury Avraham. Oh, by the way, none of the other B'nehapi Lakshima mentioned, neither uh, Zimran or Yokshan or Medan, they're clearly out. But uh, Ishmael, who for so many years of his life was the prodigal son, was the son and heir seems to retain a very special relationship with Avraham, but not only with Avraham. It seems like Yitzchak is reaching out to Yishmael, funnily enough. Because where does he go and live? He lives in Be'er L'Chairo'i, the place of Hagar's revelation, where she was told about the birth of Yishmael. And I don't really know what to make of this, but uh, maybe with Sarah gone, the tension is lifted between Hagar and Ishmael and between Yitzchak. And Yitzchak is actually looking for the family, um, and finding himself in the Negev, he re- rebuilds relationships with Ishmael. And funnily enough, in his death Yishma- in Avram's death, Ishmael can come back together with Yitzhak, and they both bury uh, Avram together. <speaking in Hebrew> Ishmael never ceases to be Avraham's child. I think this is a really interesting point. I'm not quite sure where to take it or what to make of it, but I think it's worthwhile uh, making that point. And as I said, Yitzchak in Be'er also seems to relate in some manner to um, to Hagar. And now let's finish the parsha of Ishmael ben Avraham Hagar mitzrit shi'chat Sarah Avraham. and these are indeed the progeny of Ishmael, son of Avraham, who Hagar mitzrit Sarah's handmaid gave birth to Abraham. <speaking in Hebrew> these are the names b'chor ishmael's name the first born of Ishmael is in the vayot ve'kedar va'al ba'el u'mifsam interesting names um u'mishma u'duma u'masar chadat ve'teimay tur nafish ve'kedma elahim ben Ishmael these, these uh, names i'm not going to translate cuz <laughs> they're just their names um, but these are the children of Bnei, B'nei Yish, and the, so now we say Elahim Bnei These are the um, sons of Ismael But Shmotam shneim asar leumotav. These are the name, their names in their chatzirot, in their courtyards. Uvetirotam, Tirah is a castle. We see that they've already set themselves up, and they have shneim asar Avram was told at Brit Milah. When he was worried, what will happen to Ishmael? Shneim asar nesim yoledin, and here once again, God is coming through with His promises. um Indeed, they have twelve princes, and they seem to get set up very quickly. Veelish shnei chayi Ishmael, and Ishmael lives miyat shana u'shloshim shana ve'sheva shneim one hundred and thirty-seven years. Veigvav ve'yamat ve'yasef alamav. The same languages is used to Abraham. Vishkenumi chavila adshur alshel panei Mitzrayim. They live. Throughout the Sinai Desert from Havilah to Shur, which is on the face of Egypt, Baracha Ashura, Alpanei Kol Echav Nafal. Although the Hebrew here is very strange, Alpane Kol Echav Nafal, which might be, I don't know, translated as, he fell in defiance of all his brothers, all the Mepharshim seem to see this as a fulfillment of uh, the prophecy to Hagar, where it says, Alpanei Kol Echav Ishkon. Um, that he will be a free man and he will live along with his brothers and they say Alpnei Kolechav Nafal Nafal means says the Rasag says the Rashbam says the Ibn Ezra that it means he lived along with his brethren and therefore we see a happy end for Yishmael um, I would like to uh, say a few words about this lineage of Ishmael here and I think we've already mentioned in one of our earlier classes but I'm not sure people will remember that Toldot, you know, Bereshit is a long book. Nowadays we have the chapter divisions, uh, the Christian division into chapters, or we have the Jewish parsha divisions. But one might say that, in fact, Sefer Bereshit is really a Sefer Toldot. Uh, it's divided into sections, almost like an index, by Toldot. Chapter 2, we have the Toldot Shalmay V'aretz, what's created from the heavens and the earth. After that we're going to see um, the Toldot, the progeny of Shait, which gives us the, or Toldot Adam I should say, which gives us the ten generations from Adam to Noach, then Toldot Noach, his children, then Toldot Ben Noach, which it describes the um, spread of civilization to 17 nations, Toldot Shame, the ten generations from shame to Abraham, and um, now we see and then toldot Terach which tells Avraham's story and now we see toldot Yishmael there are still going to be two more toldot one is going to be Parshat toldot Eile toldot Yitzchak ben Avraham the story of Yitzchak's children and that segment itself is going to end with Eile toldot Esav and we even have Eile toldot Yaakov each stage of the story is delineated by an introduction of Eile toldot This forms the index, the backbone of the Sefer. And what we will frequently find is that in a series of Tordot, there is a struggle in a particular generation. In this generation, it will be a certain struggle between uh, Yitzchak and Ishmael. And as we notch down to the next generation, before we say goodbye to this generation, we always list, if you want, the family who is, so to speak, going to be rejected or who will not be part of the covenant. You know, it's interesting, we're going to start um, at the beginning of Parashat Toldot, Eile Toldot Yitzchak ben Avraham, and tell the story of Yaakov and Esav. And we've already described Avram's death, but Avraham should be still alive in that story because, of course, Yitzchak gets married at age 40. He has his twins at age 60. If Yitzchak was born when Avram was 100, then Avraham is 160 when Yaakov and Esav are born. But Avram dies at age 175. So why have we already mentioned his his death? Because the Toladot form sort of like sections. So we've finished the Avram section. And when we finish the Avram section, we're going to describe how Yishmael is rejected. Just like when we finish the Yitzhak section in chapter 35, chapter 36 will be all the progeny of Esav. Esav who we're not going to talk about. We say goodbye to him by listing all of his progeny so when we do have these genealogical lists they actually coming to serve a purpose and when we describe the 12 princes of ishmael what we're really saying is ishmael all the promises which god gave to you as one of avram's children are coming true shnei masar nesim alpenei yishkon um all the promises that were given in the various prophecies have come true with you but now we're putting you aside because the line of this special family, the family of Abraham, the line of the brachot of Abraham is going to continue not through Ishmael, but through Yitzchak. At this point, uh, I'm going to say to all of you, um I'm finishing my series of podcasts with this podcast and I'm handing over to Rabbi Gad Dishi, who's going to be taking on from Parshat Toldot um it's been a delight to be giving these podcasts and uh i hope we will have many other chances to study together as i've already mentioned i do have a website www.alexisrael.org and you can sign up for my weekly parsha discussion uh which will be sent to your inbox or just uh, there are many many different uh, shiurim on my website and Be'ezer uh, Hashem, we will have many other opportunities to learn together. I want to wish you all Be'atzlacha with your learning and your continued dedication to Tanakh uh, study. And uh, thank you very much.